Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I can't see a countdown, but I'll do the waiting amount of time. <laughs> well, how did I? I didn't see anything. Okay, go. I'll get cracking. Fine, bye. Um, okay, you've made me giggle now, Steve. Okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast is all about digging into big questions and tricky topics by honest conversations. This week we're going to be looking at aesthetic and cosmetic surgeries. My guest is an aesthetic physician, not easy to say when you've got a list, based in London. She's got degrees in both medicine and dentistry, diplomas in cosmetic science and dermatology. She calls herself a bit of an education addict and has practiced medical aesthetics for over 10 years. She's featured in Tatler, Hello, Vogue, ITV's This Morning and Channel 4's Body Shockers and undergone a fair amount of cosmetic surgery herself, including two Brazilian butt lifts, the second of which she was recovering from as we went into recording. Without further ado, let me introduce Dr. Sarah Tonks. So hello, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Am I right in thinking that you're just in recovery from some surgery? Uh, Yeah, that's right. Although I am back at work at the moment. Uh, So I just had a BBL about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. For those who don't know what BBL is, it's a Brazilian butt lift. Is that right? Yeah. I don't know why they call it that. Why do they call it a butt lift? Because your butt kind of stays the same, but just, you know, a little bit more shapely and larger. You're not lifting it up. Is that what happens? You just, it's yeah, it's for sh- shape and, and what is that via implants or injections or? So there's a ton of different ways to do it. The way that I did last time was fat transfer. So you have liposuction to well wherever you've got fat. In my case, it was the abdomen, the flanks, and the back. Mm-hmm. They clean uh, the fat and then they reinject it back into your butt. But I did have it with implants the year before. Basically, my my ass is like con concave. It's completely concave. I, I don't have one naturally, so it was a quite a, a big job for the surgeon to get it to be in any way uh, shapely. So that's why I had to go back a couple of times. And how how long are you under anaesthetic for to have that done? Or you're not under? Oh, anaesthetic? it's quick. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's GA. It's quick, though. He takes about 90 minutes because oh, right. he does a ton of them. Yeah, he's doing like five or six a day. It's a lot. It's a lot. So he's probably maybe doing the most in Europe. Um, 
that's why I went to him actually. Is it a different guy to who you'd had last time? Different surgeon? No, no, same surgeon. Same one. Same and surgeon. and all being if all being well, how long should those results last? Do you hope? Well, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Um, with implants, you have to check the integrity of the implant um, uh, past sort of the ten year period. But as long as the implants are okay, then oh, you just leave it in. That's it. You've got got a, what I hope is I imagine is a great butt. Have you been trying to have? Yeah. A good, quite hard to look at your own bum, though. You've been trying to have a look at it. Are you pleased with it? I am absolutely over the moon. Are you? I'm over the moon. Yeah, I really am. Before I couldn't really wear uh, high-waisted things because I looked a bit silly. It was I'm totally the wrong shape for it. And uh, since I had it done last year, I've been I've even been known to rock a bit of a crop top. Mm. What? Do you feel like it's it made all of your proportions look different? Yeah, completely. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm still not Jennifer Lopez, but you know, in comparison to how it was before, yeah, I feel a lot better. He, I think he calls it the uh, little black dress effect because you know the silhouette is much improved. And is it a kind of two for one because you have to have some fat removal or is that fat removal not significant <laughs> enough to look different? To the... it, yeah, it's all part It's all part of it because the more fat that they take away, obviously then it's going to enhance your bum but, even more, yeah. make, make the buttocks look larger. Uh, yeah, it, it still doesn't look wild. Um, a few people, a few of my own patients were saying, oh my God, Sarah, do you really want to go back and, uh, and get more? Are you sure it's not going to be too much? But... It, it really isn't it was uh it was still looked quite subtle so he tells me that some of the women who were really on a big journey with this sometimes they're having it done like three or four times really because it, but then isn't this a problem like where where do you stop because you're you, you, you lose it's hard to have a parameter isn't it oh i'm done now this is it. i'm not is it, doing it again is the recovery quite tough uh from this one it wasn't too bad when i had the implants that was tough because they have to cut the gluteal muscle to get the implant in it's obviously a huge muscle mm. so i couldn't bend over properly for a couple of months afterwards but this is much easier see and also i guess your i saw your prep in terms of all the things you were taking like in terms of fiber <laughs> and keeping your hormones ro rocking well and all that kind of thing yeah. so preparation is always going to be useful i guess yeah, super, super, super important. I always make sure that I do that before I have surgery. So this is kind of wiggles on to the, my first question. Well, actually, to introduce people to you, what is your kind of um, professional background and also in nature of the subject we're talking about, how many, um, what would be the aesthetic treatments have you had? Is that the right language? How many kind of, yeah, interventions? That's not the right word. I don't really know what yeah. that means. Interventions. Yeah, I, well, I guess, yeah, you'd separate that into surgical and non-surgical procedures. So anyway, uh, so my name's Sarah Tonks. I'm a doctor. Um, like the majority of the other doctors in my clinic, uh, I have a medical degree, but I also have a dental degree as well. So we were mostly planning to train to become facial surgeons, but we ended up leaving. There is one person who's still undergoing training in the NHS. Um, and I've been doing aesthetics now for about... 13 years maybe 14 years um i do just non-surgical stuff so that would be things like 
botulinum toxin injections, dermal fillers, ultrasound for skin tightening, thread lifting. We do a bit of body contouring as well. So we do fat absorbing injections and we do uh, fat freezing. Uh, interestingly, I do do non-surgical butt augmentation as well, but you are not going to get the same kind of result non-surgically as you would do surgically. So it's really only suitable for people who've maybe just got, you know, a tiny little depression, a tiny little hip dip. Whereas if you need a, a you know, a larger volumetric change, it's better to go down the surgical route. Um, and then in answer to your other question about other things that I've had done, well, um, everything that we do at the clinic, I've tried at one point or another, like literally everything. We do do some vaginal stuff as well. So uh, we do labial dermal fillers. We do um, injections inside the vagina, um, which is for dryness. Um, we sometimes do radio frequency there. I've tried that as well, by the way. I thought so that what, was pretty good. What does radio frequency do? Uh, it's for tightening. To, to so, tighten the muscles back up. Yeah, so a lot of women will have that done after childbirth, for example, or just as they get older, even if they don't have any kids. Um, and that is I, I it to cool. improve sex, or will it help with any other medical conditions? So there, some patients do it for incontinence issues. There's a chair. We don't have the chair, but it's um, there's a chair that you can sit on that uh, contracts the deep muscles, and uh, it's called the Mcella chair. You go on that 10 times, just takes a few minutes each time, uh, and that helps with incontinence. Uh, you can do the uh, the probe that actually goes inside the vagina. Uh, there's some evidence that that helps with very early stage prolapse. Um, but a lot of women are just having it done for sexual response, yeah. Um, and then when it comes to the dermal filler injections inside the vagina, that's mainly for menopausal women who are feeling discomfort because they're you know that you naturally become less wet as you get older yeah and it's uncomfortable our bodies are in a real perpetual change aren't they particularly yeah gynecologically well we we also treat that too um there's a full full spectrum of services so we've got a uh anti-aging slash hormonal doctor um on the team and actually it was him who sorted out my thyroid and gave me all the prep for the surgery beforehand so it's not just about jabbing people in the face no that was going to be well first of all can you tell us so you've had everything and what surgical procedures have you had sure so uh, i started with a rhinoplasty that's a nose job um a few years ago and then i had breast augmentation um i did liposuction once um i had laser eye surgery i'm not sure if that counts um maybe it was good actually i liked that and then i did my butt twice i think that's it surgically yeah and do you remember your decision how you felt before having your first i guess all of them but yeah i guess you before you had your first procedure you know was that apprehension do you feel like you get less apprehensive now is it all quite normalized to you Oh my God, I was scared. Yeah, but I'm still scared these days. Are you? When I have something to, yeah, of course. Actually, you know what, Clement? I've got worse with age. More and more scared yes. with age. I don't know why. Worried um, your mortality, I think. Don't you think? 
Yeah, maybe, maybe. Not that you think you're going to die, but you know, you just know that life is fragile. Yeah, I think when maybe when I was younger, I was a lot more gung ho about having stuff done. Whereas now, I, do you know what? I actually cried before I had the anesthesia from my first BBL because I was thinking, oh my God, I actually might die. I didn't. No, you're not. You definitely didn't die. You're here. Do, um, yeah. So, yeah, you are. That really interests me because. There's a whole bunch of, so for transparency, I'm very on the fence about all of this. You know, I think if you'd have asked me in my 20s or, you know, in my youth, I would have been like, absolutely not, no way. Grow old gracefully. We should all learn to accept the bodies we have. And then, surprise, surprise, you, you get older and your body changes in it. And there's no two ways about it. It's not easy to sit with that. And I wonder, like, what stops me from from making the move to do it? Is it my own judgment of myself? Is it society's judgment? don't know and also role modeling to my children I think plays a, a part in it but it is really interesting for me the moment someone like steps over the threshold the only thing I can compare it to is I've got lots of tattoos and and now I've got a point where I'm tattooed so I, it doesn't hold the same kind of thing for me anymore because I've made that decision about how I my body looks but do you do you see is it I don't want to say spiral because that implies negative but you see people step into this world and then embrace it more and more well sure but it's hard to embrace it to any huge extent because it's very expensive so that's often the rate limiting factor uh can we just talk about tattoos because I, so i have tattoos as well um and one of the things that i like about tattoos is their imperfection so when you have it done um it's never perfect afterwards but then that's it you're kind of stuck with it afterwards and you, you, you know that it's something that you can't really change. And I think it's a really interesting lesson for me in particular about knowing what you can change and knowing what you can't change. So that's something that I come up against quite frequently in the clinic. If there's something that someone is dissatisfied with, you know, about their appearance, it might be something that actually we can't change, that we can't do anything about. Um, and l learning the difference. Well, it's all about learning the difference between the two. So if it's something that you can change and you want to, great, go ahead, do it. If you can't change it, yeah, I guess I guess to an extent we have to, um, as you say, learn to live with that. Like we do when the tattoo artist say shades outside the line slightly, or it's a, you know a little bit asymmetrical. You know, it's not exactly bang on center. Um, yeah. uh, so, do you ever, when a patient's presenting to you, do you ever like ask yourself about the kind of emotional or psychological space that they're in? Because yeah, do you? And and how do you navigate through that? Because yeah, I I guess tattoos is another interesting example of that. I've got a flaming star on my ankle for my 18th birthday, which I wouldn't choose now. But, I, you know, I desperately wanted it when I was 18. But it's like the things I might have wanted to do to my body when I was younger, I think mm -hmm. now I would suggest differently. And it's quite difficult if you're seeing people making decisions maybe because of other things going on in their life. You know, we've all been on the rebound from a, a breakup or, a, yeah, mm -hmm. coming out of a tough time in your life and you want to, you want to do something different. Mm -hmm. Well, non-surgical procedures are in the large reversible 
um, and they don't last. Like, for example, botulinum toxin will last you about three to four months and then wears off. Um, dermal fillers, you know, maybe a year or two and then they're gone. But if it's an actual surgical procedure, obviously that's a bit different. And when I'm assessing patients, so I don't do any surgery at all. I'm just the recipient of the surgery. Um, the non-surgical stuff, I do. And when I'm assessing a patient, sure, of course we assess them. Um, we look at their anxiety levels, their depression levels, whether or not we think that they've got uh, body dysmorphia before we do the treatment. Um, yeah, all that comes into play. Um, but it, it doesn't happen as frequently as you would think. Um, yeah, the, I'd say that, you know, 99% of the time when we see a patient, it is just someone who is maybe feeling like they'd like to change something small about the way that they look, which, you know, would have the effect, hopefully, of making them feel a bit more confident. Um, and if it's something that we can do, then, yeah, we, we go ahead and do it. And also, I guess this doesn't happen that quickly. It's not a like walk in and get it done situation. You have, consul you know, A, probably most people would have to save up for the bigger procedures, not the, not the filler. Well, not all of it, to be honest, it's not cheap, is it? And it, yeah, then it's you not. have to book in advance. And then, um, yeah, I'm sure you have consultation. So that that is quite a significant cooling off period, I suppose. So we do our initial consultations. We do them online. And then there's a gap between that and the treatment yeah yeah so that people could sit with it but i'm, I'm sure i can only imagine that people have yeah they've been mulling that kind of thing for quite a while before they they get to that point so one of the filler companies did a study looking at what the lead time was between first considering and actually having the procedure done and uh, it's apparently eight years wow yeah <laughs> wow i mean it's basically yeah I'm, I'm i'm headed towards 40 i, I mean i'm watching it left right and center we're quite that's quite late i feel like the, the the people who are a little bit younger than i am are starting i feel like people are starting younger particularly on um botox and fillers and that kind of thing do you think mm -hmm. that's a trend that's happening um i to be honest it's not really something that i see so much in our clinic because of our price point so maybe it might be outside there, but I'm not sure. I did start young myself, so I'm 40 this year as well. And I started mm, 26 was my first intervention. Yeah, but and I've been doing it consistently since then. Um, mm. Uh, but did that feel like, it's difficult because of the world that you're in did that feel like more of an outlier decision back then I'm trying to think yeah I'm the same age as you back in what mid mid 2000s <laughs> yeah um, I think for me not really because when I did my first course I went with a friend and I don't know it was just somehow something that we did together i'm not sure it never it's never ever felt for me like oh you know oh you're pushing the envelope a little bit here really mm. it's interesting yeah. isn't it because yeah people seem to be it's very divisive i i find anyhow in the conversation other people have lots of people are doing it and not talking about it and then yeah. some people are like i will absolutely never do that and I was just like, I think there's just a bit more of a middle ground here, isn't there? And yeah. 
Well, the younger people, when we do see them in the clinic, they're much more open to talking about it with their friends, the older people. There's a cut-off point. I think it's about 35 from what I've seen. And what, and then they're, they're less likely to talk about it openly, yeah. I think. Mm, interesting. Yeah, definitely, sure. But that's with, because of this stigma. I think there is a stigma still. Oh, that's what I feel like, as if you're, it's a bit of an anti-feminist move to not be prepared to... Um, <laughs> to grow old in a certain way but it's so funny because it's like where do we put the parameters because like you say ha having la laser eye surgery whitening your teeth like yeah having false eyelashes like where where's the li having highlights like um yeah where's the line about what what sits in what camp hey so interestingly one of my patients she, she won't mind me saying this because she talks about it in her column um holly vernon she wrote a book called the hot feminist a few years ago you know it yeah yeah and, did and, she, uh, and she obviously has work does she talk about the fact that she has work or whatever she has tweakment in the book uh not in the book but she talks about it in her column in grazia yeah i mean and um Catelyn moran i think i could be doing her disservice but i think she has said it and i'm actually um just reading caroline hyron the beauty experts book and she talks about tweakments in there you know if you're going to do it go to an expert and you know i don't i think we're better off admitting if we're doing it because i think then you get i think it gives people a bit of an unrealistic expectation there's i've got a certain group of friends and i suddenly look around and i was like all right yeah you've all been doing this cheers guys like <laughs> <laughs> i can see what's going on here you left me uh, <laughs> let's let's be frank if, if it's where we're going um so tell me about from your career point of view, because that fascinates me. When you're a kid deciding to go to medical school, which is like no, it's no mean feat to go and train to be a doctor. Was this on your radar then? What what did you think you, what you wanted to be, and how did you think that you wanted that to look? I did dentistry first, anyway. Did you? So... I mean, even that. These are massive, massive things to undertake. Yeah, I. Uh... I kind of just thought that I was going to have a practice and probably have a Volvo somewhere in Yorkshire. <laughs> uh, I never really expected this to happen. <laughs> Didn't you? you? Yeah, you thought you would look after people's teeth. Yeah, that was it. That was it. And then I just realised that maybe that wasn't for me. And then that's when I started working in the hospital. So there's a branch of surgery called maxillofacial surgery, which deals with the hard tissues of the face, essentially. Um, and to do that, you have to have degrees in both medicine and dentistry. So that's why the three of us went back uh, to do both degrees. But then Kishan and I, um, who's one of the other doctors that worked with me, um, we left a short while after finishing medicine um, because for me, it was, I felt like the stuff that I wanted to do, I could do it non-surgically and it, it really appealed to me to do this. Um, Ewan is staying, so he's completing his training. Um, but hopefully he'll still work with us when he's finished. So how long is a double degree? How long did you spend studying or training? Uh, for me, it was 10 years, but that's because I did a master's and a diploma and some other stuff like partway through. You could do it in less time, so you could probably do it in seven um, if it wasn't for the other stuff. I mean, it's still monumental. It, it's I find it quite hard to compute in my head the disconnect between you who and anyone else who's qualified to your level. You know the amount of expertise. I've got friends who are doctors, and it, you know the training is 
is something else. And then the kind of the worst end of this world, which is where it's gone bonkers and it's it's so for for visuals and nothing to do with it's like they feel quite connect disconnected to me. That yeah, yeah. It, it's it's fascinating. Not it, as a, yeah. yeah, it is. It is. Um, I. I mean, this is this is quite a political hot potato at the moment. Sorry, I just realised this is seven years. It's actually eight. I did the math wrong in my head. Yeah, don't um, don't discredit yourself for that year. Please. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's um, it's a bit of a political hot potato at the moment because obviously you don't need to be medically qualified to perform a a dermal filler treatment. The issue comes when it comes to managing any complications, and of course, if it's not something that you do in all day every day you know it's not just as simple as sticking a needle in somebody's face and just hoping for the best it's pretty straight you know it's it's involved and we we bring in a lot of other things with it so you know where necessary i'll refer patients off to kishan to get their hormones sorted out or it might be that they need to have a dermatology referral, or it might be, you know, just something as simple as helping them with their skincare because they've got psoriasis and, you know, what they're doing themselves isn't cutting it. it, it yeah, it, it's different. It's different. Different. But what can you do? No, but it is quite terrifying that, yeah, the thought of someone with minimal qualifications a just sticking a needle in your face but b putting substances in your face without fully knowing i've, I've watched a, quite a lot of your content and you, when talking to other experts in the field and when you're talking about the different brands and the different dilution and the you know understanding how your face works this is it, it's super technical and it is quite terrifying and in turn that's what gives the industry any kind of shady um yeah kind of oh my god reputation because a the results are going to be awful if you've not got if you've not got an expert doing it and b because that does feel all very underhand and worrying doesn't it it's true it does have this kind of seedy sort of reputation uh which as you say i, I think is maybe from from this aspect of it um we're we're pretty unique um in allowing this to happen i mean when we were port of europe there wasn't really another country i think maybe i could be wrong i might be wrong about this but maybe poland was the same i think it was poland um but everywhere else is pretty stringent about it being medical professionals mm. only. Mm. i mean rightly so do, do you can you walk down the street and see what people and know what people have had done to their faces <laughs> Look, if it's been done well, then no. No, that's the truth, isn't it? <laughs> Not always. Uh, it depends. It, look, it depends. I did a video about celebrities. God, it must have been about three years ago now. It's got a lot of views. And um, on there, I featured Jennifer Lopez was on there. Oh, do you remember when she came out with her skincare line recently? And she said, oh, it was all down to, you know, my olive oil and my my skincare. The fact that I look so great. I was like, what? Isn't she over 50 now? And it's not. And, and this is something that I find actually really upsetting because it's it's just really disingenuous. Like, first of all, you're doing it to sell your skincare. All right, fair enough. Maybe just say, oh, yeah, I've had a few bits done, but my skin is down to my skincare or something like that. You know, you just, just be frank about it. 
That's exactly uh, what Caroline Hiron says. Yes, I've had tweakments, but yeah, the majority of it is from being rigorous with my skincare and SPF and etc. etc. You, you know, you can't have one without the other for true success. But you, that is it is disingenuous, and it gives everyone a false idea of what yeah what aging looks like. I've got no problem with anyone doing whatever they want to their own body and face, of course, but there shouldn't be any reason to be ashamed of it. I don't think. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But the the internet found that quite triggering. Uh, the internet I'm finds thinking. everything triggering, first of all. Yeah. <laughs> the internet is wild. Um, <laughs> come on, guys. Come on. I um, did a post this week because I, I wear pyjamas and no knickers to bed. And I found, I thought everyone did that. It, not That isn't the case. It's very divisive. Some people wear their daytime knickers to bed. Some people wear no knickers. Anyhow, this went wild on, on Instagram. And then people started being offended that, it, that we were reducing women to talking about what to, about their knickers. It's like, no, we're not reducing women to anything. We're just talking about what we wear in bed, guys. Just don't get stressed. I like a fresh pair. Myself. So you you wear a knicker, but you got you have a nighttime knicker. I do. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah I, I, see I, hmm. I like to shower twice a day. Do you? So yeah, I'm a morning and an evening person. Yeah. So obviously you're not going to put on your your old oh, pants. No, that would be afterwards. Not very nice. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, it's made me reconsider everything I've ever done. Because you just don't know. I've probably just been doing what I did as a 10-year-old. <laughs> and now I realise should be should be putting on a nighttime knicker. But it's not, yeah, it's definitely not worth being ashamed or offended about whatever your choice is. This is what, this is like, we've got to get past this. Like, people being offended as a given. It's just like, no. Yeah, it's, I found that offensive. Yeah. <laughs> exactly i'm offended by your offense being offended um so what would you say your kind of main motivator is now what is it that gives you the most joy out of your work um it's the reactions i would say i know that sounds like mega cheesy but uh sometimes people are pretty overwhelmed afterwards um and on a like from a business perspective it's also nice to give them a good experience as well because i know like what there is out there and you know how we would compare so when when we see someone for the first time for example um i, I try to be as comprehensive as possible with different things that they might possibly consider and maybe give them options as well that they haven't thought about so say for example if someone's menopausal and they've never thought about uh, taking HRT then we'll have a conversation around that and if appropriate I'll either send them back to the GP or see if they want to see Kishan here but things like that things like uh, doing these um, uh, intimate uh, female rejuvenation treatments that a lot of women don't even know that you can have done because that can be pretty life-changing for someone and the confidence that you get from that oh, I know it sounds foolish and superficial and like 
inconsequential, but it's really not. It's really not. You know, when you have your hair done, let me give you an example. When you go to the hairdresser, you have your hair done, you come out, you feel you feel like a million dollars, right? You feel good. And imagine if you got that feeling, but it lasts longer than a haircut does. Because yeah, and it's there all the time. So that's how I feel when I have stuff done. Okay, initially maybe there's, you know, a little bit of swelling or whatever, so you feel worse for a week. Okay, fine. But then after that, then you you, you just can't you can't beat that feeling, I think. But do you think there is a is a, I mean I definitely don't disagree. I don't underestimate, especially something that's been niggling you or yeah, and especially with some of this gynecological stuff, that is things that really isn't for anyone else, I mean, other than perhaps your partner, but, you know, that is really, truly for yourself because no one else mm. is seeing it or, um, yeah, it's not an outward-facing thing. But the problem is sometimes we're looking for answers in the wrong places. I mean... Totally. You know, I've been yeah. caught up in diet culture in my days. I've been caught up with thinking, oh, you know, but once I get this done, I will feel X. And, and unfortunately, that yeah. isn't how it works. Yeah, totally. Totally. I totally agree with that. Um, but I say that to people. I ask them, you know, what are you doing here, basically? What's your motivation? Why are you here? Uh, and then if you want to change your life, it's not going to be in here. You have to change it out there. All I can do is, you know, get rid of your frown line or something. You know, that's not gonna, it's not gonna make your husband come back to you. It's not gonna get you a promotion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It just, it is what it is. It might make you feel a bit more confident, sure, but I think it just depends on people's motivations and why they want to do a certain thing. It's true, and, and actually, sometimes tiny shifts are the thing that like end up building up to to a much bigger shift. You know so often. yes oh that's actually a good point so for example if someone comes in they're not really looking after them looking after themselves they're not feeling good they change a minor thing before you know it you know they're off doing intermittent fasting and the, you yeah know, the, they're the exercising sort of... more and they're, yeah 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 because yeah, it just it gets people out of a rut i guess is is often what it is do you have you seen kind of an uplift off the back of the last ridiculous year of, of people making changes or has it been has it been a shift in people's mindset at all um sure the thing is i was at capacity anyway so it's just kind of gone back to how it was before um i would say that the one thing that i've seen is because people are wearing masks the people who were maybe a bit nervous about having a lip treatment or a lower face treatment now are, are more happy to do it yeah, because you can cover it up. Yeah. Oh, my word, that's so funny. Also, I think there's definitely got to be the Zoom effect. We've all been looking at our faces way yeah. more than is normal or yeah. we ever ever would have done before. Also, I do think this last year has been really ageing. I think it's been very intense for everybody, hasn't it? People have been saying that to me as well, that they've been <laughs> looking at themselves a lot on Zoom and not liking what they see. Yeah. And also wearing less makeup. As well. yeah which you know again it's interesting isn't it that debate is like okay i'm gonna have some work done and then actually i feel more confident so i stop wearing more makeup so why is the makeup that you know we think nothing of people having a huge amount of makeup and putting makeup on every day so yeah it's just a different way of getting to that same point of confidence i suppose so i wear less makeup having 
had stuff done mm -hmm. because it makes the canvas a lot easier to work with so you don't really need to i don't know get rid of the shadow or highlight that area or something because it always looks like that yep yeah good. do you ever wonder what you would have looked like if you'd never have touched anything oh my god yeah i do i do yeah i do honestly i've got one of those like I, I don't have very much definition in my face and i i uh i saw a photo of myself at my um dental school graduation recently and, I, and you know knowing now what people look like through the years i'm just so glad that i've decided to do this are you yeah i'm so glad oh and my mom god bless her she doesn't have much of a, a neck going on there we've got the same got the same jawline yeah we've got the jowls both of us um and i just know that 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 fate is what would have befallen me um have yeah, you done work not... on your mum have you has your mum come in into your episode do you know what she's not really into it yeah, she's she's not really into does she not... how does she feel about you doing it on yourself i initially Oh, she thinks I'm mad. Does she? I'm crazy. Yeah. I'm mad. I don't really think that she knows exactly what it is that I do. <laughs> they never do, do they? No. <laughs> so what does she think you do? She knows she went to medical school, so that's good. I don't know. I don't know. But she definitely doesn't understand what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't really talk about it, to be honest. Even with your internet stuff? yeah she oh there was one time when i was doing a live and i i talked about i think it was about her jawline or something on there because we were talking about jawline surgery and she was actually watching the live stream <laughs> oh god um, but then afterwards after we said yeah i don't know what fair enough yeah <laughs> So there's no part of you that looks back at like 26 year old you and thinks, oh wow, look how young and beautiful I was. I think I look um, probably better now. Do you? Yeah. That is a big thing to be able to say. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Do you, what? I, I look younger, obviously, but I think I look better now. Yes. Yeah, yeah you, you can't literally turn back the clock to. But also, how much of that is to do with being able to carry yourself better you know 26 you i don't know it's funny isn't it? it's just this is all the pre-40 chat coming from me which i was like i'm fine about turning 40 i'm fine about it oh no i'm not i am having like major it's just mad i can't believe it. yeah i feel i feel every bit 40 but it's like it's, it's a milestone isn't it uh actually i feel all right about it um yeah i was more upset about turning 30 that was a milestone for me this one you feel all right it's fine yeah, I'm fine. I'm going to be what? hot hot at 14. Yeah, I mean, that's good. That's a good place to be. How? When is your birthday? How soon? It's November. Okay, mine's February. Mm. Imminent. Hot at 40. Well, you've, yeah, you've had your... So you've got have, planning any more work in the short term between now and then? Mm, oh. Probably not. I think I'm going to freeze my eggs and then worry about it after that. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy your birthday. I mean, we don't know if there's even going to be anything, what the world is going to be doing, even by then. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But look, there's always going to be a plan at some point. Uh, I've got I've got nothing on the radar right now. I, I did want to look at doing a facelift. 
I know everybody always says, oh my God, you're too no. young. Yada, yada, yada. What would that involve then? Um, Talk me through that. Um, well, it's all done with local anaesthetic with sedation. There's a very good chap, um, Dominic Bray, that I want to see. And uh, people are doing these things younger and younger, by the way. So 40 to 50 is probably about the right age anyway to be doing something. Yeah, because then it, it's not so much of a shock, if you like, afterwards. Uh, and you'll get good longevity from it. So it might be that you never have to do a second procedure. You might just have to do the one. So what um, can you tell me what it involves? It's local, and then what happens? Mm. Let me just make a big cut. And tighten you up? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Does that not give I mean, you the heebie-jeebies? No. I don't know why. I used to do facial surgery, so no. So no, you get it, totally and, you, and you know who you're picking. You know your surgeon, yeah. so... Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. I was more nervous about the BBL, but that was because it was a general anaesthetic and uh, it's a loss of control, you know, I'm not sure that. No, yeah, I get you, I hear you. That's a bit that that makes me feel funny. I was watching your live with um, a breast surgeon. He was really uh-huh. interesting. He was talking about the mesh that they he puts on to create, you um, know, where you can, there's scarring so that you can keep the uplift. I was like, this is yeah. so, so interesting. I think, again, yeah. what I was touching on earlier, so often the actual amazing achievement of a surgeon is so disconnected from like how that shows up on the street, you know? If a boob job, it's, like, it's still pretty mad that you can choose someone's <laughs> boob or butt shape based on the way, the way you do surgery. I think it's really mad and cool. Yeah, that whole mesh thing, it kind of went, went in and then out and now I think it's coming back in again. But I like the idea of that as well. Yeah, I thought that was really... Yeah, so basically, because otherwise it can wear off if, if you've got nothing basically to create structure against, I suppose. So, yeah, I thought it was absolutely fascinating. And I, he, the idea that there's different trends and, and there's different people testing out different different ways of doing it and that, he, you know, there was something that... Oh, um, breast surgery with scarless breast surgery that is becoming a thing but he's like he's not ready to roll that out in his patients yet yeah fascinating I think one of the important things to know is if people are listening to this thinking oh yeah I want to get a procedure done is go to somebody who just does that one thing funny you know, that don't go, don't to, go to a jack of all trades <laughs> yeah <laughs> Don't don't do it because I, I know a lot of patients do do that. I've got I had one in the other week. She got her boobs done and she got lipo done at the same time, but she got it done with a breast surgeon. And like, well, you don't get lipo done with a breast surgeon. You're not going to be happy with it. And she wasn't happy with it surprisingly. So you've got to pick the right person for the job, and you want somebody who's a, a super specialist in that one particular field. So when I got my nose done, he just does noses. The guy that does my butt. He just does butts. Don't don't go to you know multiple different people uh, who who do multiple different things. It just doesn't make any sense. No, but the problem is you've got these big groups like rolling out mass surgery to people, haven't you? Like the chains. That again, I don't know. It's difficult. Well, it's price point, isn't it? For a very basic thing like breast augmentation, for example, is quite a straightforward procedure. For something like that, you might be all right. But when it comes to something which is a bit more involved, say you're doing an uplift or, as you say, this mesh, mesh procedure or a fat transfer to the breast, you really want to be seeing a breast surgeon. 
Sorry, go on. No, I was going, and your nose, like, don't go and have your nose yeah. done by anyone except for a, a specialist, right? Absolutely. See, somebody who just, literally just does noses. Don't go and see somebody who's who's a generalist in that field because it's just not going to be as good. Mm. It's really difficult when um, things are so driven by um, affordability as well. It, that breaks my heart a bit. That people, yeah, I can understand why people end up with the the cheaper end of the scale, but it's this is a big deal, isn't it? Well, you know what they say: if you pay cheap, then you pay twice, and that's the case. You don't want to be messing around with your nose in particular. So by the time that you've got past two surgeries on the nose, it gets very difficult. You know, the scar tissue that you get there, it's very, very tricky. Um, this is a good example, though, of what I was saying before about um, learning to accept things that aren't quite right. So, for example, I had my nose done um, and it's, it's barely anything. It's very slightly deviated here. It's not much. It's just a tiny bit. I know that some people would look at that and say, okay, that's really annoying me. I want it to be perfect. I'm going to go back. I'm going to have it operated on again. For me, that would be pure madness because the the amount of defects, if you like, is to me insignificant. And the risk doesn't outweigh the benefit that I'd get from having that done. I think it's you're basically taking a, a risk for not that much payoff. So that's something to bear in mind as well when you're having a procedure done. And you know, you're still dealing with two humans, a human body and a, and a human surgeon, and you, you don't know how either, you don't know how your body's gonna react. I think that is probably, a, you're right, a, an important thing to, to flag. You can't go chasing perfection because it, it's never gonna exist when it's a, yeah, when you're a human Absolutely. body. Absolutely. Hey, let me ask you something. Yeah. What would you do if you could? I, I, the things that I'm, that the thing that I'm most on the fence about is a breast reduction. Uh huh. I've got big boobs. I don't like them. I've never liked them. They're an inconvenience. They're mass. They're more than an inconvenience. I think they distort the whole way I look. And everyone's mad when there's loads of people having like breast implants out there. But if you, but you had big boobs all your life, they can be overrated. But I'm a bit of a wimp at the, at the idea of surgery, I think. It's big surgery doing that. Yeah, it's big surgery. Because I thought there was one guy who did it without, with not general, if it's just, oh, I don't know. So you can do a, an augmentation just under a local, but for a, an uplift, I don't know, maybe they, they do do it under a local these days, I don't know, but I imagine that the convention is a general. It's the scarring. But you know what they say about uplifting? That um, patients who have had uplift are invariably thrilled with it because it's bothered them that the much. Life. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really care what they look like. I just want them smaller. I'd not, you know, it's not a kind of, yeah. Mm. So, so you see what I mean? Like, even though there's going to be a scar afterwards, you don't care. You literally no. don't care. You no. literally just want them smaller. So. In that way, I guess it's quite an easy surgery to be satisfied with. Yeah, because as long as there's significantly less of them, yeah. it's, going to, it's going to be great. I'm actually having a tattoo removed at the moment, this one. And, you know, I'm, I'm really aware of how, what the end results are going to be. It's not going to be like I've never had a tattoo, but it was annoying me so much having that particular one that I'm, I'm yeah, I'm fine. But I think it's really, I think it's a really valuable point you've made about being realistic. 
oh, would I dare have the reduction? Someone, someone on Instagram, I'm sure, actually, has been talking about Emma Guns has just had a boob reduction, and she said it was mm. the most, most life changing, brilliant thing she's done. She wow. wished she'd done, wish she'd done it sooner. A whole, she looks co- totally different. <sighs> it's true. I think having a big chest can make you look quite matronly. Yeah, I'm just bigger than you are. Like that's what I feel like. My body, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm smaller than that. And and I, I train a lot. I work out a lot. And they haven't gone down now, so they're probably not going to. And they, yeah, inconvenience for that. You know, I have to have wear really high main, high impact sports bras all the time. Strap them down. Um, I don't know. It like you say, it's it's a consideration thing. It's on my radar. It's been on my radar for a couple of years, and don't know. It's funny. You want your smaller. I got mine bigger. I know exactly. Oh. I, I I know. That's that's what. It's that a good or a bad thing? I don't know. I've just written a book um, called But Why, which is answering tricky questions from kids. And one of the questions is, but why don't I look like everybody else? And then I did a lot of research and talking to people. And basically, especially as kids, but also as adults, we've all got this idea of, of wanting to look like someone else. And that someone else wants to look like someone else. And that is the absolute madness of this, isn't it? You know, I'm eyeing up someone on a beach because of their waist. They could be looking at my butt. And someone else, you know, this is <laughs> yeah. just bon- it's just bonkers, isn't it? We all- and there's an element of wanting what you haven't got. Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to live in a world where you could just pop in and out and change things, like yeah. fundamental things, like your sex, for example, very easily. Yeah, it'd be fun, wouldn't it? I um did a yeah. lot of work with my relationship with like body image and stuff, and and my, the therapist was like, "So if you did get a six pack, then what would happen?" I was like, "Well, I'd wear crop tops." She's like, "Yeah," and I was like, "I wear tiny bikinis." She's like, "Yeah," and then what? And it's the same as you're saying, like. Yeah, it would be it would be really fun for a little bit, but it's not going to improve anything in my life in in a big way, you know. And and it was quite a big shift for me because if you've been fixating on that for a long time, just like okay, I don't, I'm, I, I'm my life is no worse for not having a six pack. It's okay to say I'd quite like one, but I'm not going to waste hours trying to achieve one when it's probably never going to happen. But it is important to know, yeah, these things don't solve your wider like I guess psychological hang-ups have you ever had one no no i'm not that's not my that's not the way i'm built i'd have to like not eat for for months which wouldn't oh yeah have you had a six-pack no god no 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 no. never 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 again no i I don't even think that's physically possible no and that is what it is isn't it (laughs) and especially for women it's really hard for women to be that lean um and I really like food, so that always stands in the way of <laughs> of achieving that goal. <laughs> really, really like eating. I am aware of time. Let me think of a couple more questions before we end. What, what uh, as well as the um, gynecological stuff that has blown my mind, what other things are on the horizon in this world that people might not otherwise know about, like de- tech developments or exciting uh, things? Let me think. Um well i don't know how exciting you'll find this but um injectable breast augmentation that's something which is going to happen at some point it did happen before there was something called macrolane and then that was banned because um it obstructed the view on a mammogram but apparently something similar is going to come back at some point 
Um, there's always people looking for ways to do topical Botox treatments so you don't have to inject it. There is a Botox coming out which um, is going to last longer, so six months instead of about three to four. But, you know, all these things are years away. Um, what else? Oh, tattoo removal cream. Heard about that as well. Wow, um, how can that possibly work? So it activates the macrophages, which are white cells which come along and then they eat the white, the, the pigment, and then they take it to the lymph node instead of like staying stuck in the skin in that area. I'm no expert. I'm no, no. expert. That's that, my understanding. That's what laser, laser breaks it down, doesn't it? So that it's small enough for that process to happen. I think it dislodges it. Is that right or not? Where, uh, my, that's my understanding, but I believe that this is an immunological process. So they had complete clearance of mouse ears in, I believe, two applications because they tattooed the mouse ears. Uh, but I don't know what's going on. With well, that. I feel like that will have to be seriously strong to do that. But um, yeah, well, that's, that's good, I guess. If yeah, it's good. Although you know what, I just want to say about the laser. It is extremely painful, and mine's yeah. not very big. But it's it's thirty seconds. And mine's going to take four or five sessions of 30 seconds. So if people are, again, like I say, if there's things that are really bothering you, I'm so glad I'm just in the process of fixing that now because it was a, it was bugging me. And, yeah, it's worth the pain because then it'll be something I don't have to think about anymore. Yeah, yeah. I've never had a tattoo removed. They say it's worse than having the tattoo. Yeah, it's most definitely worse. Yeah, it's like hot oil is the only thing I can compare it to, hot oil being splattered on you. But 30 seconds, you, you really, by the time your your brain's registered it, it's it's done. And I'm only doing it because it's a prime spot and I feel annoyed with it, so... Mm. Yeah. I'm on it, I'm on the wait. I'll wait. wait for the cream. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it's quite weird. It goes, what, yeah, your body reacts in quite a weird way. Okay, a couple of questions to actually finish off. I always, this podcast is inspired by two of my favourite things. One of them is one of my favourite traits in people, which is honesty. Big fan. I think honesty is like the superpower that we have. What is your best trait and what trait do you most admire in other people? Um, I guess mine would be i don't can i say this don't be a dick i guess yeah well i mean what would that be let's try be... <laughs> i don't know if that's a well-known <laughs> uh being frank you being frank yeah it's that i guess just being frank maybe treating people as i would expect them or like them to do for me as well um and my most admired trait in other people it's a tough one um avoiding procrastination oh do it you like people who are on it yeah because i do love a bit of procrastination do you now and again i do yeah okay so yeah people yeah people who don't procrastinate i think everybody yeah. procrastinates to a degree but yeah I'm, I'm the opposite i'm a bit like bull in a china shop can't can't stop which is not also not great to live with i'm sure and the other things is inspired by is my love of a big chat and i always say like my dream big chat situation is you know over a meal with a couple of people two or three people loads of really good food i don't drink but loads of nice nice booze ideally the sun shining what would you what would be your ideal chat situation would it be one pe one person lots of people 
where would it be who would you be with and what would you be eating and drinking I'd want to talk to my dad again he died when I was 23 and uh, yeah it's a long time ago now there's a lot to catch him up on I think and as for the the scenario I don't mind go to KFC whatever just the it, chat would be enough yeah that would be I mean wouldn't he be proud of you you know so were you at yeah you were at uni when he died so yeah uh, yeah I just literally just graduated from dental school uh he probably wouldn't know either what it was that I do <laughs> you know <laughs> well yeah so they could be none the wiser together but that would be yeah. oh it's so funny I, yeah but yeah I mean he, whatever way you've achieved great things and yeah and you're and you're kind of outspoken in your field I think that's mm. something to be proud of for sure and KFC, Thank that's what would he would he be approving of KFC? Is it up his street? Oh, he honestly he wouldn't care. He'd eat anything. Great. So you get KFC. It is fair enough. Although, yeah, maybe he did die of a heart attack. So maybe KFC is <laughs> not the best choice. I think I think once you've I think given this scenario of being make believe, you can go with, <laughs> you can go with, you can go with KFC if that's what you you wanted. I like it. I like that you picked that. <laughs> Well, that what a way to end. Thank you so much. You've been absolutely fascinating, and I I really admire how you talk about this stuff. Like, I didn't. Yeah, it could it can become easily quite polarizing and a bit confrontational, but it's it's there's nothing to be like that about, is there? Definitely not. Do whatever you want to do. I say. Yeah, yeah, and then let other people do what they want to do. More importantly, I think that's the crucial element, isn't it? It's like why are we so bothered what other people are up to? Well, that was fascinating. For some reason, I've been a bit concerned that my conversation with Dr. Sarah might be a bit confrontational or heated. And actually, I really respected how kind of considered and steadfast she was in her opinions and also the extent to which she was qualified to be talking about our subject. Overall, my feelings remain the same. I believe that we should be trying to celebrate natural beauty and worried that sometimes making tweaks to our external appearance is overcompensating for internal struggles. But ultimately, of course, everyone is entitled to do whatever they like to their own body. So that's, so that's that. Thank you so much to Dr. Sarah Thompson. Thank to you for being here. As I say every week, I can't believe I get to do this for my job. I'm so grateful to have you here. And I'm always up for hearing feedback from you. If you wanted to get in touch, the email address is butwhy at tonycalper.com or drop me a line on Instagram. And please do rate, review, subscribe and share the podcast far and wide. I'm always keen to get new listeners if I can. I am about to go and, if I'm honest, obsessively research breast reductions. It is something I'm seriously considering. I'm bored of a life of being hunched and having dents in my shoulders, but I'm very aware that it's a fairly hefty operation and a significant recovery time. So it's not going to be a quick it's not going to be a quick decision, more one that I continue to sit with going forward. Wishing you a lovely day and look forward to catching up with you next week. Bye-bye.